Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I would move anywhere for you. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, I would. No, you wouldn't. You would have been here then this whole time. Corporate headquarters is in Canton, Ohio. Okay, well, my corporate headquarters is here. You guys, hello. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have an extra long, supersized podcast episode for you guys this week because we have two special guests. First on the show, I'm going to break down the Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Then I have an interview with TJ Lavin, who's the longtime host of MTV's The Challenge, which is entering its 36th season, which is insane. Uh, and then after that, I have an interview with Caitlin Bristow, who's from Bachelor Nation, and of course, she's the reigning champion on Dancing with the Stars. So her and I are going to talk all that Bachelorette stuff and Dancing with the Stars. So if you want to skip ahead to any of those interviews, I'll put the timestamps in the episode descriptions, or you can go to the YouTube channel which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one, and watch the interviews over there. But before the interviews, we've got to talk about the Salt Lake City Housewives, which uh, true craziness is happening over there. Now, there was something that happened on the show last week that we didn't talk about, and it's the fact that Mary, she keeps saying that everyone called her a grandpa or a grandfather MFR. She says, they called me a grandfather MFR. Grandfather MFR. Now, here's something that we just need to break down for a second, because motherfucker is what an MFR is. So Mary keeps saying they called me a grandfather motherfucker. Now, what she's technically saying is that they're saying that I fucked my grandpa's mother. You know, that's the mechanics of the English language. And I don't think Mary knows that. Mary, did you know? <laughs> Mary, did you know? That's the uh, the question on everyone's lips this holiday season is, Mary, did you know? And I don't think Mary knew that grandfather MFR um, doesn't mean what she thinks it means. So she's saying this over and over again, especially this episode, and I just couldn't let it slide anymore. I have to just call it up because, Mary, you're saying uh, that everyone says you fucked your grandpa's mom, and we know that's not true. You did something crazy, and that's fucked your grandpa, but you didn't do the mom, too. So I just want to clear that up, and I hope that going forward, she at some point realizes that um, she's saying the wrong phrase. Mary, did you know? (laughs) Mary, did you know? I keep singing that, the Dolly version. Uh, I love that song, and it's so dramatic. I love the dramatics of it. I do. So we open this week on the Housewives of Salt Lake City on that insane lunch, of course, with the uh, men and the those toy soldiers, the betta fish. There was one point where um, Whitney was describing everything at the table in her confessional, and it was truly like that Bill Hader sketch on SNL, where she's just there's beta fish, there's a personalized journal that says Girl Boss, there's Louis Vuitton AirPods, there's Toy Soldier Valets, there's a red carpet. I mean, it was craziness. And I sort of feel like we all have just accepted the insanity that is this luncheon. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're, we all have accepted it because it's been two weeks now. But if you were to just introduce this to someone who's never watched Housewives before, they'd be like, what the fuck is going on? There's toy soldiers, and why are there beta fish at the table? Like, why do they have live fish 
at everyone's place setting. You know, that's weird. It's crazy. Now, of course, there was this whole Meredith and Jen they made up. Meredith said, she's like, I appreciated that she apologized and explained to me. You know, Meredith is happy that Jen apologized. And Jen said she just acts that way. She acts crazy because she cares so much. Now, that's something we've heard on The Housewives quite a bit. It's like, yeah, I acted that way just because I care. And that's not a real thing. I just want to point out, just it's not a thing in real life that you can do. You can't just act crazy to people and say it's because you care. You know, it's not a thing. Not a thing. But Jen and Meredith do make up, but Mary and Jen do not. Mary is pissed because Jen hasn't really apologized to her yet at this point. And of course, Mary threw this insane lunch and she invited, uh, she extended the olive branch to Jen. And Jen then starts making fun of Mary's eyes. And they're just feuding from across the table. They're at different ends of this table. Meanwhile, Walter, the restaurant owner, is just in the corner pouring truffle oil or some shit like that. He looks like one of the statues at Madame Tussauds. I mean, Walter in the corner. I could have gotten a whole episode on just Walter. Some people had sent me some stuff on Instagram on Walter, and honestly, it was a great deep dive because that man, him and his truffle oil, obsessed. Um, But he's in the corner, and oh, there was even one point where Mary was like, I don't want to do this in front of Walter. He's very upset right now. And then they showed Walter, and he didn't seem very upset, you guys. He was stone-faced. I wasn't even sure if he was with us still. I didn't know if Walter had passed, because they showed him when Mary said he was upset, and he was either asleep or or had transferred over to the other realm or something. I don't know. But Walter certainly didn't seem to give a shit. He was just getting his truffle oils out there, and then he was going to, I don't know, head to bed or something, go do some Sudoku in the uh, other room, because Walter didn't seem to care that these women were fighting at his restaurant. If anything, he probably liked the press. He probably liked the press. Um. So, oh, so then Jen sort of exits. Heather chases her and gets her to come back into the luncheon. And then Jen sits down and she says, look, I just was opening up to everyone and now we're all fighting. But like, I was trying to open up to you guys and explain where I was coming from. She says, I opened up to everyone and it's like, you took the legs, you took my legs out from under me. Now, you guys, this was a callback to her aunt who, of course, had to have the legs amputated. And this is how this whole thing started. I mean, that was a brilliant turn of phrase by Jen. I was truly not expecting it. That's some Shakespeare shit. When Jen just casually said, it's like you took the legs out from under me. I thought, wow, that's a beautiful turn of phrase. Seeing as the fact that this whole thing started because Jen's aunt was losing the legs in the hospital. And then Mary said that Jen smelled like the hospital. Now, you guys, the hospital smell was not the only insane fact we got out of Mary because she's just, she doesn't just have a problem with hospital smells. Mm-mm. Nope. No, ma'am. We found out this week that Mary also has a problem with convenience stores. That's right. She says she has a fear of convenience stores. <laughs> crazy. This woman is... I'm sorry. Is it rude to call someone crazy? And I mean, I'm crazy too. So, you know what? Uh, who among us isn't? But uh, Mary does have a fear of both hospitals and convenience stores. And that's something that's I, I feel like we need to discuss. We need to discuss it more. And I hope she's discussing it with a professional because it's truly... Uh, insane. And she says she thinks of violence when she thinks of uh, convenience stores. And it was so weird to me when Jen just let it slip because she just decided to bring it up at the table. She said, Mary said she won't go to 7-Eleven if she sees black people. Now, she said it to the whole table and you could tell she had it in her back pocket and she was waiting to let it loose. But the weird thing to me was 
when Jen said it, we saw later in the confessional where she was talking to her husband, Sharif, and she was saying, like, I was just so offended by her saying this. But it was, it was almost as if she, she just decided she was going to be offended now. Like, I don't think she was so offended when Mary said it. Does that make sense? Like, she might have been a little bit offended, but she decided now she's going to make this her thing. Um, and I don't know if she was just trying to protect Mary, and so she hadn't mentioned it before. But I thought, why didn't she ever say it until now? And she let it slip. But again, just an insane thing. Jen eventually leaves, and Mary wants the headphones back. She says, <laughs> give me those Louis Vuitton headphones. Oh my god, did you guys see Apple's coming out with these new headphones that are like $550 or something? I saw an ad for them on on social media, and it was like $529 or something. Like Headphones for that much money? During a pandemic in this climate? No, ma'am. Apple, you need to cool it. Apple needs to cool it. We need to get an SOS on Apple because they need to cool it. It's unacceptable to be offering headphones at that price point. In the middle of pandemic, people aren't out of work and they're Stuck at home. I know we all need headphones these days, but can't you lower the price tag a little bit, Apple? I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, then we cut to. We, we have this montage after this crazy luncheon. We have this montage of everyone at home. We see Mary at home with Charlinda, her housekeeper, and they're like rapping together or something. Then we cut to Brooks and Meredith talking. Then we see Heather with her girls making bacon. You know, I'm really, every week I love Heather more and more and more. She seems so wonderful. And those kids, the daughter, she's a single mom of three daughters, which, you know, she deserves a trophy for that. Moms all deserve a trophy, but a single mother of three daughters, wow. And she reveals that the ex gave, um, the ex gave him nice money. Uh, one of the daughters has this boyfriend named Jaden, which is spelled like one of the Sean Cody uh, gay porn models. It's like J-A-Y-D-O-N. I've just never, <laughs> I think that's how it's spelled. Did I make that up? Maybe I just took that in my notes and spelled it that way. You know, I'm trained. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes that his name was Jaden, J-A-Y-D-O-N. And um, so he arrived. And um, they've been dating for two years, and Heather lets them date. She said, in the Mormon community, it's not something that would normally happen to be able to go on multiple dates. But uh, Heather reveals that the daughters aren't so into being Mormon anymore. And I'm just into this crisis of faith. I think a lot of us, no matter what your religion, you might have gone through a crisis of faith at some point. And so I'm I'm just very fascinated by this. Very, very fascinated. So then we cut to Meredith picking up the husband that she hates from the airport. And he's splitting his time between like Chicago and Ohio and Salt Lake. He's gonna have to move to Canton, Ohio, which is right where I you know I mentioned it, right near where I grew up. I'm from uh Solon, Ohio, but it's near Canton area. And he's like, Look, I'm working there. Apparently he does something with closeouts, and he said, Uh yeah, I gotta move there. And Meredith is not having it. She's like, I'm not doing it. You know, I can't really do a Meredith, but that's my Meredith. She says, my corporate headquarters is in Canton, Ohio, and I've, I'd move for you. And Meredith, she snaps at him. She says, my corporate headquarters is here. She says, my corporate headquarters is here, Meredith. She's not, she hates this man. With every ounce of her being, Meredith hates this man. She hates him. And he seemingly is into her. I mean, there's that scene later, which we'll get to, but... They're in the car. She had just picked him up from the airport, and they're just feuding with each other. Meanwhile, he's got an Akron Canton magazine in his hands, and I have a lot of questions about this. First and foremost, does this even exist? I didn't know there was an Akron Canton magazine. Second of all, did he get it on the plane? Did he buy it at the newsstand at the airport? Why does he have this magazine? I would only imagine 
that he got it for free in the airplane. That's my theory. But then I was thinking, like, why did he take it with them? Because you know those kind of magazines. They're just like bullshit ad magazines. Like, I don't think there's a lot. I shouldn't be talking badly about them. Now they're never going to put me in it. But um, Akron Camp Magazine, where did he get it? And why does he still have it with them? If anything, you would leave it on the plane or you'd throw it in the trash. He's not even in Akron Canton anymore. But he was taking it with them uh, to show Meredith in this magazine. What is this magazine? I'd have never heard of it before. I'm from the area, you guys. I've never heard of it. Wow, they're never going to put me in it. They're never going to put me in it. There goes my Akron Canton Magazine sponsorship deal. Anyway, uh, let's see. Then we have, we cut to Mary and her grandpa. And... Uh, there was a moment at the beginning of the scene where they sort of summoned the housekeeper for Mary's tray, and I think I just missed something. And I, they said like, "We need your tray," and I, I didn't, I missed it. Like, what was on that tray, or why did they summon the tray? Was it something special? It was at, almost as if they ask every day for this tray. It was weird to me. Um, but so Mary's really pissed that everyone said she was a grandpa mf'er, even though they didn't actually say that. And she's like, look, why I'm mad about it, but you're not blood. Maybe people might think it's weird, she's telling her grandpa. She says, people might think it's weird, but you're not blood. And then the grandpa says that the other women are just jealous. He says that the other women are just jealous of Mary because she got to marry the grandpa. And let's just sit with that for a second. Let's take a moment of silence for that. Because that was an interesting color and shade on, on this conversation I wasn't expecting. He said the other women are jealous. He said that. The grandpa said the other women are just jealous. I mean, maybe he was meaning, I'm sure he must have meant jealous of this church they own or the money or something. But the way I took it, it was it was that they were jealous that she married him. And I wouldn't be jealous of that. I don't care how much money the grandpa's got. I'm not marrying my grandpa. I, whether step or no step, I'm not marrying the grandpa. Then, um, let's see. I feel like I'm tough on Mary, but I really do enjoy her presence on this show. Um, but it's hard for me to talk about without stating the obvious that she married the grandpa. Anyway, then we cut to Jen and Sharif, and she's talking to Sharif, and she's saying, Mary's event, the luncheon, was one of the worst experiences of my life. She said the worst experience of her whole life was that luncheon. And look, it was it was seemingly tough for Jen, but I don't know that it should have been the worst experience of your life. Even Sharif, the husband, was like, you're saying it was the worst experience of your whole life? Meanwhile, she's talking to him on this phone, and the phone case says hashtag Shaw Squad. And did I miss something? So that was like a tagline of hers before she even got on the show? Or what? what is going on there? Why does she have a phone case that says hashtag Shaw Squad in the very first season of this program? Did I, it did, is that her brand? Does she have a brand that's Shaw Squad or something? I mean, it's a cute, a cute hashtag to put on a phone. I just didn't know that it was a thing pre... We're only in the third episode or fourth episode of the show. And she's already got merch for her for her catchphrases. That's a little bit troubling to me. But maybe I missed something. Maybe Shaw Squad is like her brand, or I don't know. You know, I can't I can't get everything. You know, maybe I missed that. Maybe it was an episode I missed it. Oh, then we cut to Whitney and Will. Guys, every scene I love Whitney more and more and more. In her confessional, she debuted this Marilyn Monroe off the shoulder, and I loved it. But every time I see her, I love her more and more and more. And she meets with Will, her brother, who's also a jujitsu jiu-jitsu teacher. And we see them sort of fighting. They fight and they wrestle. And then they sit down to talk on the mat. And Will says to her, I got to get you in here full time. I've wrestled a lot of people and you have the talent. He says it's sort of like Clint Eastwood and Million Dollar Baby or something, like he's ready to train her. And 
at first I thought that was a weird thing to say, but then I started thinking about it and I thought, oh my God, could you imagine if season two, Whitney's storyline was that she was doing a fight club? You know, like she gathers like Mary and Heather and they, they start training for a fight club, like an underground Salt Lake City wives high, uh, fight club. I mean, that would be some good shit. And she was good. The Will wasn't lying. Whitney was good. Like, I was scared of her when she was doing the jiu-jitsu on the mat. I thought, we need to get her in the gym more. I want to see more of this. Could you imagine just an underground, like, they meet in, like, a parking garage. It starts off where it's just, like, Whitney teaching Mary how to fight. And then, you know, they have, like, the hand wraps on, and we get, like, really dramatic music, dramatic parking garage lighting. And then, like, Heather kind of finds out about it, and so she sneaks in to the uh, parking garage and she sees the two of them fighting and Heather's like, I want in, you know, and then maybe they go and get revenge on Heather's ex-husband, you know, cause he's a dick. Oh, and then Meredith finds out and she's like, what's this fight club? And then Meredith gets involved and she, you know, goes and takes a revenge on that Seth who she hates. You know, even though he doesn't seem like a bad man, that Seth, I don't really, I mean, yeah, he's not around much, but I don't think he's that bad of a human, but I'd love to see a season where Meredith's like, I'm going to get you, you know, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's what she'd say if they were in a fight club. But um, in my head, I just picture them all in like an underground seedy parking garage. You know, it's snowy, snowy outside and they meet during the day, but it's real dark. And then they go out into the light and get revenge on the men. Always like when they get revenge on the men. Maybe Brooks can help out. He could be like, I don't know. He couldn't be involved somehow, like the secretary. Remember in uh, the movie The First Wives Club, when the lesbian daughter was like the secretary to help them get revenge on the man, on the husband's? That would be like Brooks's role. You know, that would be Brooks's role in this fantasy movie that I'm living in. Um, but that'd be a good thing. And so Whitney and Will, they talk about the dad's sobriety. I've never rooted someone for someone more in my life than I'm rooting for Whitney's dad. I love that man, and I want only good things for him. But Whitney says uh, all the siblings were divided after the parents broke up and, and through all of the sobriety stuff, and I felt bad. Will is not the biological son of Whitney's dad. Um, but it is revealed that he's checking into sober living in a few days. And uh, Whitney tells Will, the brother, to text the dad some inspirational stuff, which is basically the premise of that All In by Teddy Mellencamp program, I believe, allegedly. Um, you know, I think they just text out like Instagram quotes. Um, so basically, Will could be one of those trainers over at the um, the Mellencamp uh, fund or whatever the fuck they call it, um, allegedly. Anyway, then, um, let's see, we cut to the bowling alley with Lisa for the kid's birthday. And the kid is so sugared up, and I love when a kid's sugared up. I love it. Nothing better than a sugared up kid. Not person, like not in real time, like if you're in the room with them, but watching it on TV really makes me laugh. When they're just like running around, they say like whatever the fuck comes to mind, it's great. Anyway, um, Lisa, she talks about being married. She said, when you get married in the Mormon community, it's not till death do you part, it's for eternity. And she talks about the husband. She says, we have a core love of God and a core love of Jesus and family. And she's talking about this marriage, and it sounds like they really have a great connection. I'm thinking these two really seem to have hit it off, and they got it going on. But then in her confessional, she reveals that she threw the Rolex out the window. Right out the window. She threw it right out the window. She just took the Rolex. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying window instead of window. I don't know. I got a cockneyed accent. She threw it out the window, um, but she did throw it out the window, and <laughs> he had to go back and get it. He had to drive back and get the Rolex. I needed that on camera. I need her to do it again just for a show, because I need to see it. 
Then, um, oh, she also was mad. She says, uh, not mad, but she said she doesn't perform services, implying sexual services for her presence. She said she just deserves presence for breathing. So her husband should get it for it. And honestly, that's a theory I could get behind. I told my boyfriend the same thing. I said, I'm breathing. Get me a present. You know, that's what I'm telling him this Christmas. When I sit on Santa's lap, he says, were you good this year? I'm going to say, no, but I'm breathing. Get me a present. Honestly, that's the Lisa method. <laughs> Lisa method. I'm breathing. Get me a present. Especially in 2020, we've all been through enough. We're breathing this year. Get me a present. We all deserve it. Get myself a present this year. Uh, then we cut to Whitney with the dad at Sober Living. And again, just so invested. Whitney says they've done this many times, but she's hopeful that this time is going to work out. And Steve, the dad, knew people there. And I don't know. This is just a beautiful storyline to see. And I think it's real. And especially with the opioid epidemic going on right now in this country, people are living through this kind of thing. And I just applaud them for opening it up on camera because this, it's, I'd imagine how tough it'd be. Um, I can't even imagine. I was in tears. In tears. There was a moment, you guys, when Whitney was, she dropped the dad off the sober living. They met the people that were working there. Whitney hugs the dad and she said, I'm so proud of you, dad. I could cry right now. Beautiful moment. She said, I, I'm so proud of you, dad. And just, I don't know, everything about it just made me really, really emotional because of course you want the parent. the parents are the ones who are supposed to be saying, I'm proud of you. And then this role reversal happened in Whitney and the dad's relationship. But Whitney rose to the occasion and is is helping the dad. And and she said, I'm proud of you. Oh, my God, you guys. You, I, Come on. I know we make fun of this show because there's the craziness of the hospital smells and the all that other shit that was going on at that Met Gala luncheon. But when you see something like this on TV, it's a beautiful, heartfelt, real moment that I, I don't know that. I, a lot of shows aren't showing us this, scripted or otherwise. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So then we cut to Meredith and Seth, who, Seth, who again hate each other. And Meredith says it's been a volatile two weeks since he got home from the airport. And he's like crying. He's like, I don't know if we're going to make it. It's like, maybe we should separate. They talk about separation. He's in tears. I don't know if we're going to make it. And she's like, okay, bye. And like, she didn't seem to show much emotion at all. I, I, it was sad to me. Seth didn't want to do it. He said it's been 25 years. And she, look, I'm sure she's upset. Maybe she shows it in different ways, you know, but mostly she was like, okay, bye. That wasn't a good impression either. <laughs> anyway, then we cut to Heather and Mary. They have a sit down, and Heather um, is trying to get some sense out of Mary. And Mary's just talking about the fight with Jen. She said, Jen's triggered by what I have. She's not used to it because of my color. Whatever I have, she has to be the best. And all of these things make no sense. And like, what the fuck are you saying, Mary? Mary, did you know? Did you know? She doesn't know what the fuck she's saying, to be quite honest. And Heather's trying to follow it. And Heather's like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Um, and then look, Mary explains more about the grandma situation, and she says, Look, the grandma left in my will to be like her. And Heather, Heather sat down and asked her right from across the table, she says, um, is he blood? Like, she said that to her. And I think Heather at some point really actually thought that maybe the grandpa was the actual grandpa, not the step-grandpa. I mean, again, either way, I do think it's a little inappropriate, in my opinion. I'm sorry out there. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I do think it's insane. And um, so, I look, Heather thought it was maybe blood, and, and Mary has to say no. And she says, I didn't want to marry him. She brought 
uh, this church this far, so I trusted her. And actually, I thought this was a beautiful moment, too, because it really got us into Mary's psych a little bit. And I think she was probably very conflicted when the grandma left in the will that she needs to marry the grandpa to get the church. You know, that's a fucked up situation. That's some Shakespeare shit, too. And Mary said she trusted the grandma. And she says it's what God wanted. And you guys, insane, but I got to know Mary a little bit more. Mary, if you knew, how wonderful for you. I understood it a little bit more. I mean, understood, uh, not saying I agree with it, but I understood it a little bit better. So Heather's trying to play peacemaker. She's trying to bury the hatchet between Mary and Jen. Uh, Mary just says, Jen burnt the bridge. She's done. She's uninterested. That's the end of the episode. Next week, we get Sundance. Body shots at Sundance. It looks like a good episode. And, oh, remember I said on the show, I said, I think Lala and Katie Maloney from Vanderpump Rules are going to show up on Salt Lake City Housewives. I had a feeling. And here they come next week. We're going to get an appearance from those two. Whether we like it or not, they're coming on this show. And so I'm excited, though. I'm excited. And that episode looks great. And we also learned that Brooks is like a fashion designer. Uh, He's got his first runway show or something. It's going to be good, you guys. It's going to be good. So that's Salt Lake City Housewives. I want to get to my interview with TJ. Before I do, I want to mention, again, everythingiconic.store. Go to that website. We have holiday merch. Get one of the t-shirts, a very merry iconic. It says, have a, have a, merry, have a very merry iconic Christmas. That's a tongue twister. It looks cute on the shirt, though. We have shirts and wine glasses. They're very limited. Um, so get them now for holiday gifts. They're great holiday gifts, you guys. Get them. Matt, my boyfriend Matt, put so much work designing those shirts and everything, and he ships them out. He's, he calls himself Mattazon, um, like Amazon. Anyway, you can get that stuff. Also, if you want to support the pod, you can go to patreon.com slash everythingiconic. Click become a patron, and if you donate $4 more, more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. Uh, what else? Oh, if you go to the YouTube channel if you want to watch these interviews, youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Uh, find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Finally, if you want to check out my holiday podcast, it's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. I co-host with my friend Jenna. We have a couple really amazing guests coming up. Um, also, we recap Christmas movies and just sort of chat about Christmas stuff. So it's really fun. We have just a couple episodes left of the holiday season, but uh, subscribe to that and uh, you can listen to those over there. I got to tell you, this one guest, my mom actually is going to appear on that show. My mom's going to appear. Maybe I'll, I'll try to air it on on this Everything Iconic podcast, but there's going to be a Linda Pellegrino appearance, and it's a doozy. I can't wait, you guys, for you to hear it. Anyway, uh, I love you, and without further ado, I'll leave you with these chats with TJ Lavin from MTV's The Challenge and Caitlin Bristow from Bachelor Nation and, of course, Dancing with the Stars. I love you guys so much. Uh, be safe, and I'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to 
re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. TJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Where, where are you at right now? Where in the world is TJ Lavin? I'm in Las Vegas. I live yeah. here. I'm home. Right. Uh, so the new season, uh, Double Agents, we have uh, coming up. You started hosting the challenge in 2005, uh, and now it's been 15 years that you've been doing it. Why do you think the show has endured so long? Because it changes every time. You know, it's not just the same thing over and over and over again. It's new, upcoming, new format, new film, new people, new. It's 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 a a very eclectic group of people that come together for one common goal, and that's to build the best product that we can, the best show. You know, and right. and that's that's kind of where it does. And and we we go through the flows and the waves and the and the the things that happen throughout the world um, as in like right now we're going through the gnarliest thing that we've ever had to go through uh, crazy pandemic. Right. And, and we, we vibe with it, every bit of it, whatever happens, we make it happen. Uh, show wise, we keep it moving. You know, so double agents was filmed during COVID. What was it like filming during COVID? What were, what were changes that you guys had to do to make sure everything was safe? Like what, what happened about with it? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we were, we were very careful. Um, they had a COVID team headed up by Katia Gidry. She was doing it and really focused and, and making everyone be as safe as they possibly could be. Um, wear masks everywhere, drive separate, sit six feet apart, even when they're eating, um, you know, you're not even allowed to sit at the same table. Um, it was very isolating, but at the same time, it was also no one broke the rules because everybody was going for one thing. And that was to be the only, the first television show getting this job done for our industry, you know? So we knew how we knew the importance of staying safe and being safe and not having a 
positive test, you God forbid you go out for a hamburger somewhere and then you come home and you're the one guy right. that right. positive, you know, and right. you blow over 200 people. And so that's a little pressure. In some ways with the challenge, it almost feels like it, it it's filmed in a bubble, you know, outside of the pandemic. So, uh, you know, it seems like out of all the shows, this is almost, it almost lends itself to being able to film in that, in that way. Um, yeah, that that's fair. Um, I can see that. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, for everyone else, for sure. For right, me, right, wasn't right. Very, it was like, oh man, <laughs> because I, I I pride myself on representing the show and MTV and everybody to to the different cities and countries that we go to. Um, so I try my hardest to represent our our country and our television show and our people the best I possibly can, and, and to leave the the city of wherever we go a little bit better than when we came, you know? Right. And so, so that, that's the idea of uh, and That's kind of my role is like the ambassador of our show is to do it, you know? So it was tough for me not to be able to do that. But at the same time I knew, and I believe scientists. So <laughs> just right. do what you got to do to get it done. When you started in 2005, like, did you have any idea that you'd be doing this for so many seasons or, or did you think, Oh, I'm going to do it a season or two and then we're going to be done. Like what, what were you thinking back that then? Thing that Dave Mira who hosted it before me, he said, ah, you'll do it for one or two seasons and then you'll be over it. And I was thinking to myself after the first season, I really am not over it at all. Like, I love this. This is awesome. And, and so I hosted another one and another one and another one. And then they just kept asking. And it was season by season until like six seasons ago, they were like, all right, we want you to be the host forever. Like you're the guy, you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, this is my show. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> and so like, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. Maybe like 10 seasons ago, they were yeah. like, no, you're the guy that you're the dude. And so, and that now I take pride in it, you know, and I really like embrace it and I love it. And, and it is my baby now. It's like, if somebody said something bad about the show, I'd be like, what, what do you mean? Like, right. how, 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 in what way, you know, like yeah. I, I take it personal now. And also I got to say, I think I read an interview where you were saying um, the show deserves the Emmy love. And I agree because in many ways, the challenge really set the blueprint for so many of these shows, these competition yeah. series. And it is sort of surprising to me. I know other outlets have written about this, but it feels to me like the challenge because of how it has evolved throughout the years because of its influence in the genre that it should be recognized, um, you know, artistically, uh, even from camera setups, like what you guys are yeah. doing cinematography wise. And uh, yeah, you know, we were like, we were the first to bring in so many aspects of challenge television, um, you know, competition shows rather like everything came from us, like our, our stuff, you know, and, and, when I say us, I mean them, like the challenge as a whole, like is, is, you know, they're, they're trend setting for sure. Um, from drones using drones and footage. I remember the first time we used a drone, it was you know back in the day and we're using this drone and I'm like, there's no way we can use that footage. And then Joe Gidry used it and he was like using this drone and it was, it took so much time and added pain in the butt like to film you know and all the stuff 
but it turned out so sick. And I was like, dude, he just set the world on fire. You know, he just made something awesome. And then now drone shots are, are, that's our stuff. You know what I mean? We do it, you know, it's part of the game. What do you make of this idea of there being uh, like a veteran season? I think Mark Long, who had been on the show before, he has been sort of spearheading this this uh, push for a vet season. First of all, what do you think of it? Would you be involved somehow? Um, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's a great idea. I would love it. I would love to be involved with that. I think it'd be a very cool thing to do. And I, I get a lot of DMs and people from – the past that say, Hey, I want to be on the show again. And I get a lot of DMS and say, I want to see Mark long. And I want to see these different people from the past come on the show and and perform and see how they would be in today's day and age. Um, I don't know uh, what the premise would be. I don't know what the show would do. Like if they would do it, you know, the new guys against the old men or the old women or the, you know, who knows what is going to happen, but I would love that. I think it'd be awesome. So I back that. One of my favorite aspects of the show, and I think one of the things that sets the challenge apart, is that there is this like really rich history of all of these people who we've grown up with, or I've grown up with, just watching on TV, whether it be the real world or even road rules back in the day. And so I always get really excited when it's like, we're bringing Veronica back or like someone... You know, I know people like CT and and Johnny Bananas, they've been, you know, consistent with the series, but I always get excited when there's like a random uh, person from the old days. That's cool, right? Like, I love that too, man. I love it when somebody comes back that was retired, you know, like, that's why I never will retire. I'm never going to be that guy. Like, I didn't never retire. I never retired from BMX and I never am going to retire from television. Like, you just kind of just, don't do it anymore or do, you know? Right. Right. Is who would you like to see come back? Like, is there a a one or two contestants where you're like, man, I really want them to come back or you've been kind of pushing for them to come back. Um, I would love to see, uh, Mark long back. Mark long would be awesome. Um, Alton from back in the day, like Alton, remember him? Yeah. From Vegas. Uh, yeah. Athlete, like super athletic. And I would love to see him, how he's doing. Um, uh, like maybe like uh, 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 for the women, maybe like Ev. I would love to see Ev come back, and and somebody like that. Or yeah. uh, I don't know. There, there, there's, there's so many to choose from. Uh, I'm just going off the top of my head right now. But I would love to see any one of those people that I just named like right away. All of them are are sick um, competitors. You know, like right. very, very challenge heavy who do you think is like the best of all time like do you think it is based on like both of them i mean who like pops out to you i mean of course everyone thinks johnny bananas well he has most wins of course yeah he i mean there's there's no doubt in my mind that the goat is johnny bananas like he's he's the guy like he he wins so much and he has the game so figured out you know what I mean? He picks it apart. Every challenge. It, and, and and as producers, they're like, okay, what can we do to not give him an advantage? You know, because like, yeah. the guy's picking it apart. I mean, the, he's, he's, a, he's a smart individual when it comes to the games. He's got that game mindset. And it's real hard to break that game mindset once you have it. And he ha- has 
developed it throughout the years. He didn't, he didn't show up on the challenge, the GOAT. He wasn't the best right out of the gate, not even close. He put in the work, he did it, he, now he is, you know? Yeah. So him, um, CT's real good. Um, I, I think uh, for, for the, the – Tori is actually really good, you know, for the women. Like, Tori's solid. Um, that that girl Jen is solid. Jennifer, she's real, real good. Um, uh, there's 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 so many and, really great competitors, but I like to see the people with with that are new that are not expected to do well, like Big T. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not uh, the most athletic person in the world, and she's not the the most brilliant mind in the in the the puzzle or whatever you know. But she does it. And she gets it done, all of it, you know, mm-hmm. and she handles it. And I was very impressed with her, her gumption in, in the, in the elimination rounds or something. You know, I saw her in the eliminations and, and I was, I was so taken back by her, her gusto. I, I loved yeah. it, you know, and, and her grit. Do you think it's a mix of like mental and the physical or, or what do you think takes precedent? Like what's more important in the challenge? Is it the athleticism or do you think it's the, the politicking? Um, it's, it's both because if you're, it, there's no, there's no one thing because if you're not a politician in the, in the challenge, then you're not going to go very far because no matter how athletic you are, you're going to get thrown in every time and somebody's going to beat you in a puzzle or whatever. There's a lot of equalizers in the challenge. You can't just be some big brute and come in there and kill it. You know what I mean? But like Fessy is one of the biggest, baddest dudes that we've ever had. And, and he didn't win, you know what I mean? He didn't beat bananas. So it's like, like, how could you get beat by bananas? Who's, you know, my size. And then you have, he, he beat like everybody. Yeah. These huge guys. Yeah. It's crazy that people that he beat. And then, you know, the Rogan, for instance, like completely smashed Jay, like almost killed the kid. And then all of a sudden, he gets beat at the last moment in the most important elimination of the season by bananas. Yeah. You know, and you, I mean, you, and you look at Rogan and I mean, I think the first time we saw someone like Rogan, it was like, Oh, that guy's going to win this. And then it's he's like, going to kill everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then when they were running up the hill in Gibraltar, he didn't, Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Right. It didn't kill everyone. He got killed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's a, a beast, a force of a man, like dude is gnarly. And, and I would never want to go against him in an elimination, but bananas, like he just completely handled it. And it was after the most in, in grueling final, you know, yeah. first yeah. day had, and he, he, he did this elimination at night, freezing cold in the snow. It sucked. And, yeah. and he, he wins. You know, it's wow. You know, TJ, as a longtime viewer, one of my favorite things is when you personally get really pissed when somebody gives up and quits. I think it's an important lesson. It's sort of like a, I think it's a bigger lesson than even maybe people watching the show realize. And I'm just wondering if you could talk to me about that because it is, I think there are times when we're at home watching the show and we see someone leave or, or want to leave because they have a girlfriend or boyfriend back home or, or there's drama like that. And it is frustrating when they, they leave. And so it's almost like it's exciting when you give people shit for that. And I wonder if you well, could just tell me a little bit about it. That's kind of the thing is I'm your voice. So if, if 
there's an inside scoop. If I'm not giving somebody, if I'm not going in on someone for quitting, then know that there's another reason why. You mm-hmm. understand? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Melissa, for instance, was pregnant and we, she didn't even know it until she got to the final challenge. And then she said, this isn't for me. And she's like explaining it for that. She didn't want to say that she was pregnant, but she was. And they told me, they were like, TJ, don't go in on her for this because uh, you'll just don't, please. And I was like, all right, cool. And they, they, this guy, Danny Wasco is a good friend of mine. He's my work husband. He's a great guy. And he, uh, he's like, listen, TJ, don't go in on her for this. Uh, I'll tell you later. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I don't even question it because I know for a fact that none of my people are going to say anything to me like that if it's not meant to be. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to say it for a favor. They're doing it for real. And so I, I listen to what they say, and I, I really appreciate what they have to say to me like about that. You know what I mean? And I don't go in on anybody that they say, no, don't go in on this person because, you know, and they, they give me their, their opinion of the situation. And, and then, or if it's somebody that misses their girlfriend or they just can't hack it or whatever, then they say, go ahead. You know, they like yeah. and I'm like, dude, are you joking me? And I like, don't take care. I hope to see you never. Right. Right. Cause we get invested in these people. And when they're yeah. just like, oh, I got a girlfriend back home or something. It's like, well, right. you know, screw that. <laughs> screw yeah, that. Dude. I mean, a million people that will replace you. Come on, man. Right, right. Uh, TJ, I wonder what's your relationship like with these people outside of the game? Like, do you have personal relationships or you just keep your distance work-wise? Like, how does that no, work? I, I, I keep my distance a little bit work-wise. I don't really, uh, I, I don't talk to them uh, an over amount. You know, I mean, uh, if if somebody, uh, if I see somebody, it's a friendly hello and, and things like that. But, but I don't really, um, I don't really, I don't contact anyone outside of the show really. So um, the only exception to that is Leroy lives in Las Vegas or he lived in Las Vegas. So I would see him every now and then at a, at a certain place or whatever, like every once in a while, I mean, maybe once a year, you know, and it's just hello, hello, friendly, hello, whatever. And then now that he is, is retiring supposedly um, we're, you know, we're, we're friendly. You know, I, I, I saw him at, at a um, bar and grill the other day. And I, I said, cool, man. He sat down next to me at the bar and, and said hello. And then, then we put our masks on and left, you know? So I, I always felt like Leroy was someone who should have won more. Like I always thought he was really good. And I, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. things just never worked out for him. But. Yeah. He was, he's awesome. Um, you know, the, in June of this year, there was uh, MTV had uh, publicly had put out this statement regarding D, who was a challenge competitor. They said they weren't going to work with her again. Um, I just wondered, what were your thoughts on that um, that whole thing? I, I didn't really know what what was said and what was going on, and I still actually don't. But I assume that it is it is you know MTV is is solid. They're not going to do something like that over nothing. So. Okay. I, I wish Dee the best and, and hopefully, you know, she does her thing and, and uh, you know, it is what it is. I have a few questions from people that wrote in some stuff. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Joya Herman wants to know, this is, I don't know if this is a great question, but do you dislike Kara and Polly as much as the rest of us? She said, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're nice people. I, I don't, I don't dislike them. Do you they're, think, they're, 
They're do you cool. think some of these people come in and just are playing to the cameras a little bit? Like, do you think sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Andy, yeah, there's not that. You know, you 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 can be the judge of that, but I I don't think that some people are that vindictive or something. You know, yeah. as they come times on the show. Uh, Ariana Chapin said, uh, "Are there any players that are working together who have had alliances in the past that shocked you the most?" Banana and Wes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shocker. That was awesome. I, you know, that was crazy. I haven't seen that for a while. I, I didn't see that coming. You know, there, I felt like there was a couple seasons, maybe like five or six seasons ago where the challenges I, I felt like dipped a little bit, like they weren't as difficult. And then it seemed like it was course corrected. And I wonder was that the case or was I just imagining things? There was like a season or two where I felt like the final challenge was so much easier than it had been. And it did seem like the next season, then we came back guns blazing, but. Um, I can't say that you're incorrect. I can't say that. I can't say that, you know, that isn't something that, that was a little bit um, talked about and felt so nation worldwide so we 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 definitely um came back with vengeance and uh you know justin booth is is the hardest dude that we've ever had on the show you know he's he's the guy he's the one he's the reason that it is what it is today is is justin and he he really focused on making stuff gnarly and he did and so his his protege is Emer Harkin and his, you know, person that he took under the wing is Emer Harkin. And she has been running the show for the last couple seasons. So you can see how difficult it has been and how guns blazing and big it has become. And, and that's budget slash her being schooled from the school of Justin Booth, you know? So it's, it's, it's those two things came into a perfect storm and now you have what the challenge is today you know and Emer is is Emer comes from building games and making producing different content to becoming a, the showrunner and now she's she's killing it and how she does run the show is is awesome yeah so it, it seems job. like it seems like it got you know it it was rejuvenated or revitalized. I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is, but uh, I, I definitely felt it. Yeah. Uh, what were you thinking? Isabella Reyes wants to know, uh, what were you thinking during Ashley's million dollar steal? There were some people online, I guess, that said that was maybe rigged or something like that. Uh, what were you thinking about that? Well, it wasn't rigged. I promise you that. Uh, nothing on this show has ever been rigged, ever. For as long as I've been on it, I, which is since season 11. I don't know prior. I never was there, but I assume it was the same. From season 11, when Justin and I started running the ship, like it was, it's never, not one thing has ever been in question and, and never would it ever be. So, you know, Emer is now running the show right now for the last couple of seasons. And, and her and Justin, I believe they're going to switch off here and there, but uh, it's, it's, the, the integrity of the show is so important to us that that, that will never happen. It, it, it doesn't happen. So if, you know, somebody says it or somebody feels it or somebody thinks this, it's either sore losing, you know, that's, you know, like 
it's either the election was rigged or it's the, you know, come on. It it is like, there's, it's never been, and it never will be something like that for, for the show. I mean, that Ashley moment was, I, I mean, everyone got goosebumps. I mean, it was such a great television moment. So I think maybe that's where that comes from a little bit, but I just, what was that like on, on set or on, in the, in brutal. the actual moment? Yeah. It was brutal because it's one thing to steal 200 grand from somebody that sucks. That's really, that's a brutal thing to do with bananas on Sarah. Right. I don't know how much it was, but it was something on there and that's a really bad thing to happen. But when you're talking about a million dollars and you're stealing $500,000 from somebody, crazy. that is so gnarly. Oh, my God. It was and so gnarly. Do you think, what, in your opinion, like, do you think she should have taken the money or do you think she should have shared it? Like, Where do you stand when, when something like that happens? Well, I am on the fence because I don't know the whole story. I, I, at the moment that it happened, I was like, that is disgusting. Why would you ever do that? I didn't, you know, that's great television, but I just was like, that is as a human, that is a horrible thing to do. But when I saw her defend it and then I saw the clips of him cutting sick during the season, right. how you treat people matters, you know, treat your waitress with respect and you will get it back and you won't have any problems. Treat your busboy the same as you treat the president. You know what I mean? And right. he doesn't even treat his partner good. And he says wild stuff to her, like whatever he was saying. All that was just completely marinating in her mind the yeah, entire yeah. season. So you can't be mad at her like, if, if, if she has the chance to do something like that. Like, And then you, you sprinkle in a little bit of, who knows what he would have done if the roles were reversed and judging by how he talked to her a few of the times, you know what I mean? It is what it is, dude. Like, yeah, you, you made your bed now sleep in it. I was happy she did it too. And I, I find sometimes watching the show, I particularly, um, you know, a while back, sometimes the men can be frustrating to watch on the show in terms of like the dynamics with the women and, um, I know that's been talked about and addressed and and press and stuff like that, but but it almost the Ashley moment almost felt like representative. And I was like, oh, good for you, Ashley. Like I was happy that. Yeah, that she, did, she that. did. She got it done, man. I was like, because at the moment I was like, dude, you can't do that to your partner. You know what I mean? Now that made bananas look soft, right? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. so like, <laughs> and that was terrible. That, that that I was, I still don't back that decision. I still think it's disgusting to steal your money from your partner. Right. You know, right. and, but it is what it is. Yeah. This, she, you know, had a pretty good reason. I mean, yeah. it yeah. is, you can't say that she didn't. Do you have a favorite season out of all these? Like, is there one you look back on and think that was like the best If people were going to go back and watch, which by the way, do we have access to all of these on like a streaming service? Cause I feel like we need everything to be easily available. I'm not positive about I that. I don't know but if there are either. I'm not sure. That. But I, 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 I think so. But um, I, I really love the countries that I go to. And so some of my favorite countries and experiences have been Prague. Um, I loved New Zealand 
Queenstown, New Zealand. I, I helped build some jumps there and rode BMX there a lot. I loved it. Um, I love Thailand a lot, like riding scooters everywhere and just going it's so free. You just ride the scooters and just hauling ass everywhere and going to eat and stuff. It was so fun. Um, I loved that. Um, what we just did in Iceland, the, the beauty was breathtaking. Like the landscape was insane. So it was New Zealand with rainbows and waterfalls every day. It's crazy. When you look at it, you're like, that is a storybook, a movie, mm-hmm. a cartoon. It's not real. And it is. So it was yeah. crazy. I mean, I mentioned the cinematography. I got a chance to watch the premiere. And it is sort of, I think, I don't know how to say it, but I, I think people don't realize how beautiful the cinematography is and how, how great it is. I was watching it just through that lens. And I'm like, man, this is great. Um, okay. TJ, I want to get a little bit serious for a second. Uh, you've been through uh, publicly, of course, you had a, a, a very bad accident mixed with pneumonia. You've been through a lot. And I know right now in 2020, I feel like people are going through so much with the pandemic and ev- everything going on culturally. Uh, what did you learn from sort of your uh, life struggles that you can maybe pass along to people who are listening, who are maybe going through uh, their own kind of stuff? Does that make well, sense? This, yeah, of course it does. Um, this is a, a, a serious time that we're going through, right? And it's it's tough time. And there's a lot of, of negativity in the world. But this will pass. And it will be a distant memory in the not-so-distant future. And I say that often because I mean it. And, and it, it's it's true. Um, there There is a light at the end of the tunnel, no doubt about it. So all you have to do is keep moving towards that light. Don't ever, ever go backwards and get into your mind and say, no, 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 you know, I I can't do it or I won't do it because it's all temporary. All these problems that we're talking about are temporary. And, and some, and one of the people that I look up, look up to and that I think about every day of my life is Stephen Murray, who was a BMX rider with me. He got paralyzed from the neck down and he's still, a positive individual. He lives in England. And I see him every time I pass through England and I, I go the two and a half hours over there to see him, like drive over and rent a car, do whatever I got to do, go to see him, then come back to the airport, do all the whatever. It's, it's, I love him. And so I think about him all the time. He's my BMX brother from back in the day and he got paralyzed in one of our contests. And I think about him all the time. And, and so if I'm in traffic or if I'm in whatever situation, the airport, the, the flight got canceled, stay in the hotel, did it, did it, everything, no matter what the drama is of the day, mm-hmm. coronavirus. Okay, cool. So I got to take a year off and do whatever I have to do to get through this year. But it doesn't matter. It's pales in comparison to Stephen Murray, who paralyzed from the neck down and will never ever know what it's like to play the guitar again you know what i'm saying or, right, or to do right. whatever he's doing because he's dealing with what he's dealing with he's just trying to survive you know and the guy's still has the most positive outlook on life still has the kids and the dogs and the this and he's still like going crazy and living life but but his his outlook really gives me hope yeah it puts things into perspective, I think, in a way that... hundred times. Yeah, yeah. hundred times over, man. 
Uh, TJ, I want to just wrap this up with asking you, what do you think is next for the challenge? Like, is there still themes you, you are hoping you get to or, or places that you're hoping you guys get to? Like, what, what are your hopes for the future? Um, I, I really hope that we bring in some flying cars and some motorcycle races, you know, that would be sick. There are endless amounts of competition that we can have. Right. Yeah. And so much so that I'm, I'm doing a, a an, an app called tussle and tussle is going to be you competing with everybody else on one platform trying to figure out who's the best at whatever you want. So that's, that's I love that's, that. Yeah. So you can just compete at guitar that's great. or you can at piano or you can compete at whatever you want. You think you're the best. We're going to compete on it. So that's, that's how wide a variety the show is going to go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and what can people look forward to on this season of double agents? Like why, why should people watch this season? I watched the premiere and it was great and people love the show. So of course they're going to watch, but what do we have to look forward to this season? The cinematography, first of all, is, is next level. Okay. So the, 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 the aesthetics of this, of the show are unlike any other that you've ever seen. The, the landscape is unlike any of that you've ever seen in your life. Um, in one of the episodes, there are two tectonic plates. And in between these two tectonic plates, which are the North American tectonic plate and the European tectonic plate, there is a body of water that is the cleanest water in the world. And they swim through it. Oh, wow. So you, you just can't believe what they're doing. I mean, to get a challenge to do that, I mean, this is a national treasure and yeah. and we filmed the show there you know and it's crazy that we were able to pull this off somehow in the midst of a pandemic in the midst of a you know it's, it's crazy the amount of of hurdles that that the production and the crew jumped through to get this done and in the, the scenery is insane you'd you'd be watching braveheart slash uh you know whatever other amazing landscape even if it wasn't real that's the landscape that you're getting with iceland and by the way i just want to mention there were zero covid cases right throughout the entire production which is amazing uh and also i watching the premiere i didn't feel like you could tell there were any it felt like very much a traditional wonderful challenge season it didn't feel like we were making concessions because of the pandemic and you know just as someone who's you know starved for entertainment right now i thank you guys for for being uh, able to accomplish that because it's, it's thank you great. very much i really really appreciate that we we really wanted that to, to come across like that because as soon as the cameras were off it was masked you know and i mean i always have one in my back pocket all the time you know what i mean so it's like right. like we'd be filming and then all of a sudden it'd be mask on always always you know so so it's it's always important to stay safe and and nobody blew it like we would be filming then boom every time no matter what and it was like everybody drove separate everybody stayed in the bubble nobody broke protocol everything went as planned because we all listened to our covid people headed up by katia gidry and and she was the lady and 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 she she really focused on everyone having the best possible experience they could have under the circumstances. Yeah, uh, TJ, anything else you want to promote or or let people know where can they find you on social media, all of that kind of stuff? 
Well, it's at TJ Lavin on everything. So just, just I'll see you there. And uh, you and me should follow each other. So yeah, we'll, we're, we'll we're going to do it. Up. We're already friends. Okay, good. No, so, we're uh, going to do We're going to be. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Perry, Danny Pellegrino, I'm, I'm following you okay, right away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, you are the man. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate everything. And, and yeah, man, check out the challenge double agents please check well, that out tj honestly i've been a fan forever so this was truly such a delight for me because you're amazing on the show and really the challenge it's such an underrated even though i know it's this huge mtv ratings juggernaut and everything i still truly believe that it's like an underrated show and uh, i hope at some point places like the emmys and stuff start to recognize what you guys are doing over there because it's incredible so that would TJ- be amazing. well thank you very much danny i appreciate you brother a very special guest. She's the reigning Dancing with the Stars champ. Of course, people know her from Bachelor Nation. Caitlin Bristow, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm curious. Well, first of all, congratulations on the Mirrorball thank Trophy. Uh, what was it like competing in that process uh, during uh, the pandemic? Was it nice to kind of have something to do and keep your mind off things? Yeah. You know, it's funny, as I just said yesterday, when I got home, I'm like, oh, this is what the pandemic feels like, because I kind of got used to something to do every day, being around people, because we were all having to be tested every single day. It was like, became part of my routine. You go there in the morning, you get your nose swabbed, you go dance, you see everybody. It, It totally became just like a regular everyday thing. And when you do something for over three months, it does really become a routine. So coming back home, I thought, you know, oh, I'm so excited to go home and relax and not do anything. But you really feel it when you come home. So, yeah, it was it was nice. It was a nice distraction there for a few months. Has your body like recovered from all of the trauma it's been through? No, I had to go get x-rays two days ago because my ribs feel broken. I can't even like when I drive, I go to do like a shoulder check and my ribs just go into excruciating pain. Uh, my feet are beat up, uh, but I would do it all over again. <laughs> oh my God. You know, some I, I asked people to write in some questions and somebody had mentioned that there was a rumor that there was some drama with, with contracts because of Bachelor Nation. Maybe you weren't able to do Dancing with the Stars. Was Was there any truth to that or what was that all about? Yeah, that was five years ago. Um, so that was after I came off of being The Bachelorette in 2015. And what happened was I got offered to go on dancing with the stars and they had never had, they had uh, actually Trista was the only other bachelorette that had ever been on. She was on the very first season of dancing with the stars, but she went home, I think week two. And so they had never had a bachelorette since they've had the bachelors and I was offered it and I didn't, you know, I'm not, I didn't grow up in the TV world. I don't understand reality TV. I don't even understand like entertainment contracts clearly because I didn't check with the higher ups at, you know, on the bachelor, the bachelor franchise. And I of course said yes to this opportunity because of my love for dance, because that was, you know, something fun to do next. And uh, of course I said, yes, I signed the contract. I was going to be announced on good morning America as one of the new contestants. And, um, yeah, they, the Bachelor franchise was like, actually, you're still under our contract. You can't just go do anything you want to do right now. Um, and they suggested, you know, like not doing it and focusing on my relationship, which I had just gotten engaged. And looking back now, I'm so glad they didn't allow me to go on then because I was in such a different place in my life. And I've 
truly believe in timing and things working out for a reason. And I just wouldn't have been in the same headspace then that I was now. You know, it's it's funny you say that. I've been starting to wrap my head around this idea of like things happening when they're supposed to. And uh, yeah. it's it's been sort of a tough lesson for me um, uh, Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to understand when you're going through like certain things or if you're in the thick of it or like I, I've I've tried to believe in that kind of thing for a long time now, but that doesn't make it easier when I'm going through a tough time. I'm not like, oh, well, I'll see the reason for this soon. <laughs> you kind of got to figure out those life lessons and get to them and then be able to look back and say, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about reality TV, it's so fascinating to me. I'm new to the world of Bachelor Nation, and I'm so fascinated by this idea of of people's relationships and love life being so exposed, really, and it's mm-hmm. such a vulnerable part of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that been like throughout the years to have your relationship? And, and also, do you feel like people expect you to always be so open with your uh, relationships? Yeah, they, I mean, I'm a very open book. I, I like being an open book. I think that's why I was able to go on a show like that. It didn't, it didn't mean it wasn't extremely vulnerable and scary and hard to do. And you're exposed is a really good word to say it. Cause that's what it feels like. Um, and of course your dating life looks so different from somebody else's dating life and they might not agree with how you date. And it just, it's, it's a wild world to be a part of, but I don't know for me, There is like a fine line, I think, for sharing too much. But again, you you go on this show and you have to understand that you chose to open your world to allowing people in to to be a part of your love life and your journey and relationships. And I think why people like Bachelor Nation get so attached to the show and attached to us as contestants or leads or whatever is because it's very relatable and you can see you know, things that you would do or things you wouldn't do. And, and they get really invested in, in who you are and how you live in your love life, especially. So I think you just have to kind of be open to that and understand that that's what you signed up for kind of thing. And that that's just going to be part of your life now. Yeah. And you, do you keep up with the show, right? You watch, you're watching yes. the, this season right now. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you some questions. What do you, um, what do you make of the beginning of the season with Claire and Dale? Do you think they're going to work out? Um, did you have a problem with Claire? Maybe not opening up as much as people would have liked her to. I have a, I have a theory on this. And yes. my theory is that Claire, they know Claire. They Claire wasn't new to the franchise. They know who she is, how she works, especially when it comes to relationships. And when it comes to love with Claire, she, she just goes all in. She is, you can't, she can't hide. And like, you know, I feel like she had a tough time compartmentalizing relationships because she was so lasered in on Dale. And I think they knew that and they weren't surprised because, sorry, my dog's growling. Because, Everybody that goes on this show, um, and I can say this because I've been in her shoes, you do get laser focused on maybe one or two, and and that's just the nature of the show. The the thing, I'll use your word again, is she was just exposed for it because they had this idea to flip, turn the tables and bring in a new bachelorette. So I think 
with Claire, it was like, they could have done that to me because I was like, well, it's game over night one. I know who I'm picking. They could have done that to me, but you still have to make a season. They took that as an opportunity to bring in a new bachelorette and have Claire find her love story. And I truly think that they have a chance at working out because I think a, a reason that so many bachelor couples don't work out. Robin, stop growling. Um, I think the reason so many bachelor couples don't work out is because it's a very terrible foundation to start a relationship on. You meet someone and that night you're like, well, I'm also dating 25 other men and I'm going to take those relationships as far as I can. And then I'm going to take it to the fantasy suite and then they're going to meet my family. And then at the end I could pick you. And then it's like, that's a terrible foundation to start a relationship where Claire and Dale don't have to go through that. So do you think it was kind of, I don't want to use the word set up, but sort of set up by producers that they want to, yeah. I think they, I think they saw it as an opportunity to, you know, it's, it's a pandemic. They're having to kind of work with what they've got too. This is, mm. nobody's done this before. So they're like, how do we shake things up? And I think it was an opportunity for, I've never sneezed on a podcast in my life. Okay. Random. Um, okay. uh, but I think they saw it as an opportunity, uh, opportunity to kind of shake things up. And, and, you know, I, I was part of a season where they had two bachelorettes and now they got to do it in a different way. Oh, I mean, I can't imagine um, the contestants are filming at that La Quinta Inn for so many yeah. weeks. It just seems like a nightmare to just be stuck on those uh, playgrounds oh gosh, or whatever. It, that would be the hardest part. It's already hard enough, uh, you know, to be on that show. And you do feel isolated because even when you travel to these beautiful countries, you can't just go explore. You could only go explore if you're on a date and you're around everyone else. Otherwise you're stuck in a hotel room. So to be there and not know like, okay, well, my date today is going to be something on this resort. Like they did really well with what they had to work with. Uh, I keep also imagining just when Claire, before she left, I was just imagining all of these straight guys just sitting around the La Quinta Inn talking to each other and like having the most boring conversations. Totally. Um, like, and they feel like, I mean, they really uh, made it feel like they didn't know Claire at all. And they might've even been a little clueless to how this sh- show work. So it was really interesting at the beginning. Uh, Okay. So who do you like in terms of the guys I saw on Twitter, you said this is maybe like the best group of guys they've had. And there are some really good gems in there. What what do you, um, who do you think Tasha should pick? What do you think of the men? Yeah, I think this is um, now that we're getting to see who these men really are. I feel like they're such a good group. I feel like they all have um, like, emotional maturity they're able to have really deep conversations and things that matter I feel like they all are like a little bit older than what we're used to seeing on this show and it's really coming through with like I said like the the maturity level um so I'm really enjoying all of them and their conversations I feel like it's it feels like one of the most real seasons and I keep saying that Tisha seems like she's done this before she has been like an absolute pro at this. She feels very comfortable and natural and vulnerable and all the things you'd want to see in a bachelorette. And I'm just such a fan of Brendan. Um, I like him too. And, and her connection with him. Mm-hmm. I think he is, he's gone through the, uh, he's gone through similar things as her. He has a really good sense of humor, but he doesn't even realize how funny he is. Uh, he seems like an absolute sweetheart and I'm, totally pulling for him right now yeah yeah i you know i really fell in love with ivan i think last week um he oh, does yes. he's like a little young though i think he's like a little young he needs a couple more years and then i feel like yeah. he'd be the perfect man but um 
Yeah, I, I really liked him. You know, I, I like David too. That's a good point. I mentioned some questions that people wrote in. Laura McCallum, she wants to know um, what your thoughts are on uh, people sort of pushing the show to be more inclusive and challenging it to evolve a little bit in terms of like the diversity on screen. Um, And also she says, what role do you think uh, former contestants should have in pushing the franchise uh, forward? Yeah, I love that question because I think it's not been a secret to the world that there wasn't enough diversity on that show. I think people said it every season, I think it was always something they were lacking. And it's like kind of my thought process is it's about time that they evolved with what's going on in the world. Um, So I, I love that they're getting on the right track and doing what's necessary. And like I said, I just, I kind of said like, well, yeah, it's about time. You know, I'm really good friends with Rachel Lindsay and she's been pushing the franchise. Oh, she is. She's the best. Literally one of the coolest, nicest, humble, just like, she's a great human. I really love her. And she has done all the work by herself to push the franchise. It felt like, and there was actually a batch diversity, uh, petition going around that a fan started and a lot of bachelor nation and contestants that have been on the show and former people that, you know, leads and everything, we all got behind it and signed it because it's not trying to boycott the show. It's not trying to say like, Oh, we're against it. It's trying to help them. We're trying to help them and encourage them. And I think, I think actually a lot of people have come forward and, and tried to push the franchise as, as they should. So, cause it I seems like, like you I guys, like it, it seems like you guys care about the show. I mean, I, I've yeah. had Rachel on the show and yeah. um, you know, it, she's, like you said, kind of, I, I think trying to make the show better. And one of the things I mentioned on the show is like, there's so much of Bachelor Nation. I mean, we're getting a couple cycles a year at some point, plus the um, plus the games and the other spinoffs. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't understand why we couldn't have more diverse shows while also continuing with our white leads and everything like that. Like right. just opening it up more. Cause I'm looking at it as a gay man. I'm like, how have we been through this many years and not had an LGBTQ person amongst all these cycles. Like, I'm not saying get rid of the other people, just like let's add in another one. Exactly. You're just saying like, keep up with the times in the world and what you want to see. Like there's, you know, there's so many, so many of us that sit at home and want to see that. And, and I think, I think like they, with Demi, they, you know, they kind of opened that door, which I loved. And I just feel like they're getting on the right track. I mean, obviously everyone has a long way to go, um, including the show, but they're, they're working on it, which is good. Right. Uh, Troy R is wondering um, if there's any fun, wild interactions with Tyra on dancing with the stars. There was all this stuff about Tyra. Like some people really did not like Tyra as the host. I personally think Tyra is unhinged and beautiful and everything she does. I love her. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? I th- well, people just don't like change. People yeah. don't like change. And that show has been very consistent for however many seasons, 29 seasons. And I just think people get really shaken up when things change. Like, like if Chris Harrison left and they brought in a new host, nobody would like that host because it's not Chris Harrison. Um, you know, they're kind of the face of the franchise. So I think that was the drama. But Tyra, 
was one of the most lovely human beings off camera I've ever met. She would call me. She would call everybody once a week, once every couple of weeks, check in, see how everyone's feeling, like a genuine over-the-phone conversation. Um, because of COVID and the pandemic, it's not like we could, you know, hang out with her or really, like, get close to anyone that's, you know... It, it's she would wear a face shield sometimes when we were doing dry runs and all the things because that was just you know a wild time yeah. to be a part of a, a show like this but she was really I felt like she cared and I felt like she cared about the people on the show the cast the crew she really felt like she was stepped in as like part of the family yeah you know she's such a huge star I think it's almost impossible to ask her to just sort of be a background person mm-hmm. in anything uh yeah so, but it was interesting. It was interesting to watch. Um, let's see. Uh, Allison Salzberg says, "How was it working with with Artem? Um, are and, and also she adores him and Nikki Bella. Are they as nice and down to earth as they seem?" Yes, I love Nikki. I'm actually such a Nikki fan. I had her on my podcast before I even went on the show. Um, before I was on dancing, and we kind of did each other's podcasts. And I remember coming off of the podcast and going. Oh my gosh, that is, she reminds me of, of me. I feel like we could be really good friends or like she's she's just very down to earth. She's very funny. She's real. She's as real as they come. Um, I adore her. So when I found out that Artem was go- going back on the show, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I get him as a partner. I love Nikki. I think that'd be so fun. Um, so I was really excited when I walked in and saw his face. So yeah, they're, working with Artem was one of the most challenging things in a good way that I've ever done. He is, he, he, he like warned me when I came in and started. He's a perfectionist. He's very strict. He, it's how he grew up and it's how he was taught. And he sees the benefits and, and he saw the potential in me. So he pushed me harder than anyone has ever pushed me in my life. He challenged me. In, in ways that I've never been challenged. And I think he believed in me as a dancer more than I did. And um, there were times where I'd leave crying. There was times where I'd la- leave laughing. There was times where I didn't want to do it anymore. There were times where I was like, I'm never leaving. This is what I love to do. It was definitely a roller coaster. But at the end of it, looking back, I'm like, I don't think I could have done that with anyone but Artem. Like, he, he pushed me in all the ways I needed to be pushed to get to where I was. Uh, it seems like such an intimate show. What do you What do you think is maybe more intimate? Is Bachelor, uh, the world of the Bachelor, more intimate filming, or is Dancing with the Stars? Uh, definitely Bachelor. I mean, it, I, I obviously have nothing to compare it to on this season of Dancing because I've never been on the show before. But we usually there's producers in there, camera crews, but everything was just like <clears throat> like I kind of forgot I was on a show at some points because there's just like big brother cameras also mm. like throughout the dance studio. And if a producer wanted to say something, they just came over an intercom and it just, it, it, it felt almost like Artem and I were like, like it was very just student teacher. This is what you do head down and you work. And it, we really used all six hours, seven days a week to, to really get to where we wanted to be in that dance studio where bachelors like, you're having very intimate conversations. It's very romantic. Um, everybody's kind of there. And then you go into a room after and you talk about your feelings to somebody. And it's just, it's very different. 
You know, in terms of Bachelor Nation, it's no secret that the fandom, not just in Bachelor Nation, but I cover Real Housewives on the show, and it's like that fandom can be very toxic as well. Um, You know, I think people love these shows so much, but how do you deal with sort of the toxicity you get on social media? I mean, I see so much of what reality stars get online, and it's a lot. I mean, I I just posted something last night on my story just something I got in my DMs. Cause I'm like, man, the hate that goes on in my DMs. I mean, there's so much love and it outweighs all the bad. And I try and respond to so many positive messages because those are the people that are, you know, I have, I have two businesses. I have a scrunchie label. I have a wine label. I have my podcast. And those are the people that support you. And those are the people that are voting on dancing with the stars. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that you just want to have those conversations with. So I try and focus on that. Um, It's taken me a lot of time because I think naturally as human beings, it's hard for us to respond to, Oh my gosh, you're so pretty or you're so funny or you're so great. It's hard to say, "Uh, thanks. Like, I don't know. It just feels weird where if somebody is bashing you and saying mean things, you feel like, Oh, well they must be true. Or is this what people think about me? And that's just how we, function. And I have tried over the last five years to really switch my mindset and it has taken a while, but I feel like I'm finally in a place where I can admit that sometimes these things hurt my feelings. I can admit that sometimes they piss me off, but overall I actually can find some humor in it now. And also a little bit of sadness where I'm like, Mm -hmm. are you okay? Mm -hmm. What is happening in your day that you are so invested in my appearance or what I'm doing, or if I'm drinking wine, like, why are you so invested and and angry about it? Like there's, it's, Mm -hmm. it says so much about them and not anything about me that I've tried to just shift my mindset about it a little bit, but it does. I'm not going to lie. Like when they hit you in those places where it hurts, it still hurts. Yeah. And you, you can focus, you focus on that one bad thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. It's, it's very easy to do that, but you just kind of have to, um, I mean, it's hard because I don't know if a lot of people like listeners of, of the podcast and stuff, I don't know, you know, if they get hate in their lives, like as much as, as people from reality TV. So it's hard for people to relate to that and not just say, well, ignore it and move on. I get a lot of that. People always are always like, Oh, just ignore it and don't give them the energy. But you're like, I want to stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to let people talk to me like that. And I want to teach them a lesson sometimes where maybe next time they'll think twice about saying something nasty to somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I've said this before on the show, but it's like with reality stars, people almost think that they don't see any of it or that they're allowed to yeah. say anything. Whereas when it comes to like a TV or movie star, it's almost yeah. like they're they're so far removed that people don't even send in the mean comments as much. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. Like they're, they're like untouchable yeah. where we're reality stars. So we're supposed to be real and, mm-hmm. but they still treat us like we're a character on a show. Like we aren't real people with real feelings on the other side of the phone. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Jason? Um, you know, people are invested in that. You know, what's happening yeah. there? Yeah. He's, uh, he was honestly just my rock through dancing with the stars because I think it's, it would be hard. Like I try and always put myself in somebody else's shoes. And if he was gone six hours a day, seven days a week dancing and then coming home so tired and just wanting to sleep and 
I would be like, come on, this sucks. He was there every time with a glass of wine. He would oh. rub my feet. He would make me dinner. He was doing his own thing because he, I mean, he has his business restart that he's been working on. And he just, I mean, I've never met a hard worker like Jason. He just, he wakes up and he is on a schedule. He's used to corporate America. That's what he used to do. So he's just, he's a very structure kind of person. He needs that routine and he works hard. And so he was, he was really great. And yeah, he's just been working away at, at his own business and he's working on a book deal and he's, he, he really like, um, he's a very motivated man. I think he should get into motivational speaking because he's so good at like, he's like, you're like, you'd want him to be in your corner. He's such a good hype man. He's so motivational and he's just, he's just an all around really, really good human. Kaylin, it's nice to see you like light up talking about him. Uh, You know, it's, it seems like when I asked you that question, you just, yeah, you have such um, very clear, obvious um, affection for him. And that's just in any sort of human, it's nice to see that when they feel that way about their partner. Of course. Yeah. Uh, He's amazing. I ask everyone these questions. I number one, what's your favorite Mariah Carey song? And then also, oh. if you're choosing for People Magazine, Sexiest Man Alive, you can't choose Jason. You got to choose like okay, an that's fair. actor, someone that's who fair. would you choose? Um, okay, favorite Mariah Carey song. Oh my god, I love Mariah Carey. Um, what's that one? Oh, the fantasy. Fantasy, so good. Fantasy is my favorite Mariah Carey song. Um, And then Sexiest Man Alive, I would probably say Paul Rudd. Oh, he's a good choice. Yeah. I love him. He's a good choice. Caitlin, this was so fun. Tell everyone about your businesses and your podcast and all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've had so much fun. The, the wine label has been, I think the thing I'm the most proud of because I didn't realize how much work was involved in creating your own wine label with manufacturing production, all the liquor laws and everything that goes into it. And it's, it's been quite the journey so far, but again, people just are so wonderful and supportive. So my wine is called Spade and Sparrows. Um, you can get it online. It's, We've just got a new cab that came out that people are loving, which makes me so happy. But I have a Pinot Noir, a cab, a rosé, and a Pinot Grigio. Everything's on CaitlinBristow.com. You can also what do you buy love my the most? there. If you had to pick one of those. Oh. Well. To watch The Bachelor. Which, which okay, pair is best the with The Bachelorette? I'm going, it's a tie for me between the cab and the Pinot Noir because I love Pinot. That's my favorite kind of wine. But this cab is up there for me. It's. I'm going to pick the cab. I'm going to pick the cab. It was really, really good. You know, I've been Um, doing this thing during quarantine where I'm like really pairing my drinks with my shows, which sounds so silly, but it's like, we have to sort of entertain ourselves right now. Right. It's like, I can't go out to the bar, (laughs) but I'm like, this would be perfect for the bachelorette. You painted a good picture there because I was like, ooh, because if I'm like on a patio, I'm going to pick rosé. But when you said watching The Bachelor, I'm like, oh, red (laughs) wine. Um, But yeah, everything that I do, like, um, my podcast, my scrunchies, um, and my wine label is all on caitlinbristow.com, but our socials are really fun and interactive and we try and make them all funny because I love humor. So, uh, scrunchies is at do edit and wine is at spade and sparrows. And then I'm at Caitlin Bristow. And then my podcast is called off the vine. And we basically just drink wine and have fun conversations and play games. 
That sounds perfect. Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by. I want to encourage everyone, um, if you're watching this interview on YouTube, to go like, comment, subscribe, all of that stuff. And if you're listening to the podcast, thank you all so much for listening. Caitlin, this was a delight. Uh, come back anytime. And I look forward to seeing what's next. You're doing so many. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market different things it's, it's, it's <laughs> thank wonderful. you so much thank you for having me it was fun